Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live the First Amendment and Free Speech Podcast. Free Press Media Press, Inc. sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Today we'll discuss the case Johnson v. City of Rochester, 197-NW-2D-244, Minnesota, Supreme Court, 1972. In this case, the defendant is fighting the seizure of his property, which the city thought was obscene. I'd like to read from the case for you. Quote, This is an appeal by the city of Rochester under Minnesota Statute 632.11 Subdivision 1-3 from an order of the district court authorized by 626.21 requiring the city to return the plaintiff respondent Daryl Johnson's coin-operated machines and films seized by the city on grounds the films were obscene. The only issue is whether the search warrants under which the machines and the films were seized were valid under the First Amendment without a prior adversary judicial hearing. We hold that the procedure adopted was constitutionally deficient and affirm. End quote. Although I wish they considered more in this case, they say the only issue here is such and such. We got to take what we can get. We got If we get an inch, we take an inch. If we get a foot, we take a foot. We need to keep proceeding in this fight. The decision also says, The first officer viewed seven films, on the basis of which he obtained a search warrant from the municipal court and seized 20 machines and films. Four days later, a different officer, having viewed seven other films operated by plaintiff, also obtained a warrant and seized 14 machines and films. On the date the first warrant was executed, a criminal complaint was filed against a plaintiff alleging violation of statute 67, I'm sorry, 617.241 for unlawfully exhibiting obscene motion pictures, films. Plaintiff thereupon brought this action to recover his property, end quote. Do you think that those officers had any degree of pleasure inside when they view these films? Are they so above such visceral things as stimulation? I bet at least a part of their soul found joy in those films. I wish they didn't do that. I wish this plaintiff didn't have to bother with this in the first place. I wish they didn't declare his films obscene. I wish he didn't have to be charged under it. The judge's quote from a case called A Quantity of Copy of Books versus Kansas. Quote, For if a seizure of books precedes an adversary determination of their obscenity, there is a danger of abridgment of the right of the public in a free society to un- obstructed circulation of non-obscene books. The inclusion of the right to petition for a return of plaintiff's property in the municipal court order is ineffective for another reason. It attempts to shift the burden of proof to the owner, whereas in the court in Friedman versus Maryland, Supra made it clear that such burden remains with the censor. End quote. The first sentence I quoted was from another decision. The second sentence I quote it was from their own words. They make valid points here. The burden should always be with the censor, don't you think? 
the sensor should be as burdened as much as possible because we shouldn't have sensors. Like in other cases I've read, these judges are talking about the evidentiary hearings where they got to be careful when they, before seizing property, before it's deemed obscene. Because oftentimes these cases involve the determination whether it's obscene. They declare, the court declares the following, quote, We hold that the trial court was correct in finding the seizure unconstitutional and directing the, that the plaintiff's property be returned to its owner. There is merit in the city's complaint that unlike the massive publication of books, magazines where one copy of the offensive material can be readily be made available to the state, single film exhibits such as we are dealing with here cannot easily be duplicated for the purposes of pres preserving the evidence. The argument cuts both ways. However, since the very purpose of the rule adopted by the United States Supreme Court is to give effect to the First Amendment by denying the state the right to suppress what may be a non-obscene material previously assessed only by a single police officer, end quote. This decision was a long time ago. Nowadays, it's very easy to duplicate anything, so I don't think this would apply anymore. They're trying to distinguish between books, which then were easy to duplicate, and films, not so much. But in this day and age, both are easy to duplicate, as we all know. They also say, quote, the nearly unanimous weight of authority prohibits a seizure of allegedly obscene material prior to adversary judicial hearing. But recognizing the practical problem of preserving evidence, courts have proposed a number of devices to meet the problem, end quote. They talk about they want to prevent the defendant from destroying the material. If it ever happens to me, I don't think I'll do that because I want to bring this out in the open. Even the scripture says, what is done in the dark shall be brought to light. Therefore, I'm not fearing what is under the surface. If, if it's a good thing, if you're fighting the good fight, you need to bring it to the open. And they finally conclude the following. Quote, our holding affects only the right to seize property, alleged to be obscene, without a prior adversary hearing. It does not affect the right to make arrests without such a hearing. We simply hold that the seizure was in violation of plaintiff's First Amendment rights and he is entitled to the return of his property, affirmed, end quote. So what do you think about this case? Do you agree with me that it's a little bit in the right direction? We got something here. We didn't get the full thing, but we got something. So that's reason to rejoice. And it's reason to keep on fighting the good fight. How will you advance the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and third parties today? Long live the First Amendment and free speech. Goodbye.